listening to the Miracle Word Podcast. We believe that the Word of God gives you the power to experience never-ending increase in every area. If you're ready for revelation that will take you to the next level, you're in the right place. Here's your host, evangelist, author, and founder of Miracle Word University, Ted Shuttlesworth, Jr. As you know, if you've been watching the broadcast, one of the things that the Lord has really been dealing with me about is the expectation for wonders. If you've heard me, I I was on it yet last week. I've been talking about it. It's been jumped up. uh, It's been jumping up in my spirit. I'll say this. I spoke at our home church, and I already had this word of wonders. In fact, if you're on, put it in the comments, wonders, because it's what we're standing and believing for. So I'd had this word keep jumping up in my spirit, wonders, wonders, wonders. We're expecting wonders. And I'll talk about that more in a moment. And um, I get to church because I was speaking for our pastor, who I love, Bishop Rick Thomas and Pastor Kathy, uh, for their appreciation Sunday. And uh, in the back, he got a hold of me before we went out. And he said, I want you to get this in your spirit. He said, get ready. He spoke this word in, in the back room. He said, I want you to get ready. He said, because 2022 is going to be a year of divine possession. That jumped so hard in my spirit when he said it. It's going to be a year of divine possession. I believe that. We're going to possess what we've never possessed. We're going to have what we've never had. We're going to take ground where we've never taken ground. And the Lord's been having me on this thought of wonders that we're expecting God to do not just miracles and not just signs, but wonders. What is a wonder? I defined it very simply on Sunday morning here at Crossroads. A wonder is when God does something so massive, so supernatural, that when people see it, they wonder how it happened. That's truly what it is. It sounds simplistic, but that's what it is. It's a wonder. It makes people wonder. You know, they wonder in amazement, if you've ever heard that phrase before, wonder in amazement. They wonder how that happened. You know, if you look at the seven wonders of the world, if you've ever looked at that, if you, don't, if you don't know what I'm talking about, just Google it. The seven wonders of the world. You look at the pyramids in Egypt. Did you ever go you go all those thousands of years back? Did you ever wonder how were they able to construct something like that before machinery, before cranes, before any of the technology we have today? It's a wonder. It's like that is a wonder to see something that magnificent. You go through all the seven wonders of the world. And, and it, it is, it's truly a wonder. Some of them are natural things, but it's what we're expecting God to do in our lives, in our churches, in our ministries, in our business, our families, wonders, wonders, stuff that's so big that when people see it, they wonder how that happened. And that's where we're at. That's where our faith is at. It's a wonder. And those of you, you've written it in the, in the comments, we're believing for divine possession in 2022 wonders. And I'm not waiting till 2022. I'm believing in the final quarter of this year, we're going to see God perform wonders, supernatural things, not small things, but large things. God doesn't want to do something insignificant in your life. He doesn't want to do something that can be swept under the rug, that can be forgotten about or ignored because God wants all the glory and the praise for what he does so that when he does something, everyone who sees what happens will have to stop and look and give God glory and praise for the thing that he did, 
not just Christians, sinners too. The heathen, the Bible says, the nations will point to it and say, God did that. That's when you know it's big. When people who don't even serve the Lord have to point their finger and say, that was God. It's a wonder. And we've set our faith for wonders. I'm believing for wonders in your life, in your family, at your business. You know, things that are not able to be explained. And that's what we're going to see. That's what we're going to have happen. And one of the aspects of this is the enemy is trying to perform wonders. You know, anything God does, the enemy tries to counterfeit. Anything God does, the enemy tries to counterfeit. And so the enemy wants to perform wonders. He wants to do things no one's ever seen before. He wants to do things that people are like, I can't believe it. I was looking at my friend. Of course, we know that there's an antichrist spirit at work in the earth right now. There's an antichrist spirit at work in the world currently and has been for thousands of years. And before that, it was an anti-God spirit. But I'll tell you something. My friend who pastors in Canada, not only did the police come to where he was and to his house, harassing him at his house as a pastor, so much so, listen to this, that the judge who heard their case actually commanded the police officers not to come to his house and harass him anymore. The judge said that. And they were harassing his church people. And they, you know, they gave him papers. He had to show up in court because he was meeting and having church. This is in Canada. I'm not talking about, you know, Kabul. I'm not talking about Iraq, Iran. I'm talking about Canada, just a few hours to the north. And they came to his house and they harassed him there. And then they served him papers. He had to show up in court. And then they came back to his church this last Sunday. And they harassed his people at his church. And the the ushers outside the church building would not let the police officers in. And so the police officers went and took the associate pastor who was out there just calmly speaking to them, took, took him away and arrested the associate pastor because they're having church in Canada and have threatened to arrest uh, Pastor Phil. And they're harassing the church people there. And now they've got rebel news on their side covering the story, all the stuff that's going on. And if people don't wake up, if people don't wake up, this is what the enemy wants around the world to harass the church, to try to shut the church down. The Bible says that Jesus declared, I will build my church and the gates of hell will not prevail against it. Now we know that the church has always responded best in the middle of a test. That's been the case throughout history, throughout all of history. Look at when the church spread around the world. It was in the first three centuries before there was the peace of the church. Before that ever happened, when it was still a death sentence to be a Christian, the the church spread around the world like wildfire. Back when it was, you know, like it is now in Afghanistan and other places where if they even find a Bible app on your phone, they execute you. They were executing people just a few weeks ago for finding a Bible app on their phone. So you understand this, this thing's been going on for a long time, but notice that the church thrives in the midst of persecution. Not that we're seeking it out, but Jesus prophesied it would come. You know, you'd think 
in a in a country where it's absolutely illegal to have a church like China that there'd be no churches because the government shut it down. But the underground church is thriving in China. The underground church is thriving. You can't kill the church. You can't shut down the church. You can't stop what God established. And so, but the thing is, people need to wake up and understand, especially in the United States of America. I mean, look at what's going on in Australia. Look what's going on in Canada. Full out communism, full out communism. And it's going on. And if you don't think that's what they want here in the United States, you've lost your mind. And people need to wake up. And one of the things that we have that other countries may not have is we have a constitution. We still have a court system that allows us to stand up and do what we should do as responsible Americans. And people need to wake up in the United States. Because if you don't think that they don't want to shut the church down in the U.S., they've already tried. They've already tried. They tried all through last year, and the church is still here. So I'm just telling you, as they try to bring, as we get closer to the end of time, and they put try to put a, a chokehold on what God is doing, then people be, better be ready. One of the things that I can tell you, and let me say, one of the reasons that we're standing here confessing and believing for wonders is we want to see God do things that no man can do, that no uh, lawyer can do, that no corporation can do. We want to see God do things that only he can do, things that are a wonder. And we'll give him all the praise for doing those things. But that's what we're believing God for. I'm not going to sit through life just living some kind of normal dead Christianity that's a form and a fashion but contains no power. Might as well just shut it down if that's all it's going to be. But we have access to the supernatural power of the Most High God. The Most High God. And so I want to encourage your faith today. We're believing for wonders. We're believing for wonders. And your family, mine, we're going to see what God said we can have. We serve a God, by the way. Thanks, Dylan. Love you, buddy. We serve a God that is capable at any given moment of performing wonders. I love this verse. I want to direct your attention to it. Please take out your Bible and highlight this verse in Habakkuk chapter 1 and verse 5. I'm going to read it to you in a moment. I want to give you a little background context uh, on this verse. This is not a good thing, what I'm about to read to you. It was judgment. It was punishment for wickedness. Judah and Jerusalem were not serving the Lord like they should have, and God was bringing discipline, discipline and judgment to his people for their disobedience. He was bringing judgment and discipline to his people for their disobedience. And the thing, he said, the things I'm getting ready to do are going to be so supernatural that you won't be able to even believe it. Now, in this in this passage, it's not it wasn't a good thing he was referencing. It was, uh, of course, it's good in God's eyes. Any judgment of sin is good, but for them, it was not like this is our breakthrough. This is our miracle. This that's not what it was. It was judgment. God was bringing other nations in to judge and subdue His people. And so, but I, but what I want you to see from the verse I'm getting ready to read to you is this is the God who has the ability. This same power that he brought out to do things that were so supernatural, it's the same power that he has to do blessings and to do miracles and to do wonders in your life and in mine. We have a covenant with Jesus that these people did not have. That's why the book of Hebrews says we have a better covenant 
established upon better promises. So I want to encourage your faith today, not discourage it. We've got a covenant with God that these people did not have. We've got forgiveness that these people did not have. We've got the blood of Jesus that these people did not have. So let me show you this here. In Habakkuk chapter one, now that I've given you the context, let me read you what God said, because man, I read this and it stirred me up massively. Just the wording of this, the Lord's answer to Habakkuk's complaint. Listen to verse five. He said, look among the nations and see and wonder and be astounded. Wonder and be astounded. What? For I am doing a work in your days that you would not believe if told. Think about that right there. I'm doing a work in your days that you would not believe if told. Well, let me tell you something. That same God that was doing a work of judgment and discipline here in this passage that was so great that they wouldn't believe it if they were told, that's the same God we serve today who loves us, who has a way to deliver us, set us free, and to touch us. That same power he had back then is the same power he has right now to be able to do things for us in our day that we wouldn't even have believed it if we were told to see how good God can be, the God of wonders that has the ability to do the supernatural at any given time for his people. That phrase that he said, I'm doing a work in your day that you would not believe if told. I mean, think about the power of that. I mean, is anybody that's watching able to look back even a year ago in your life and say, you know what? If I was to look forward a year to where I am now and the way God's blessed me, man, if somebody would have told me, I wouldn't have even believed it. I can tell you right now for my life, if I looked back, let's just say three years ago, if I looked back just, and my life was great, God had blessed us, blessed our ministry three years ago. But if I went three years back and somebody walked up to me and said to me, in three years from now, you'll be on television every week in over 180 nations of the world, in over 300, 400 million homes every single week preaching the gospel. You'll have, you'll have the ability to speak to you know hundreds of millions around the world. I would have said, seriously? I mean, like, really? Because we weren't doing any kind of media like that three years ago. Nothing even close. And God so quickly made it to take place and brought in all the resources and everything needed, all of the pl- the place to do it, all the equipment to do it, all the open doors to do it. If the Lord, I mean, you think about that. That was three short years ago, not 30 years ago, three. Even two years ago, that wasn't happening. If I look, if two years ago, somebody came up to me and said, in, in two years from now, you're going to be, and I, would, I said, are you serious? Are you serious? Are you serious? Is there anybody else in the comments that could say, man, if I looked forward two years ago to where I am today, I'd have been like, are you serious? Are you serious right now? And I hear this because the Lord is saying, I'm doing a work in your days that you wouldn't believe if you'd been told. I mean, that's the kind of God he is. He can do things that are so supernatural that you wouldn't believe it if you were told doesn't mean you don't have faith. It's just that it goes beyond your faith. He exceeds your faith. I mean, well, let me give you a verse for that. The Bible says in the book of Ephesians, now unto him 
who is able to do exceeding abundantly and above all you can ask or think according to the power that works in you. So do you see that? It's not that you don't have faith. It's that he exceeds your expectation. He does exceeding abundantly above all you can ask or think. So I'll tell you, he's an unlimited God. We serve an unlimited God who has the ability to do wonders. That's what we're declaring. I will see wonders in my final quarter of the year. You need to declare it too. I will see wonders in my final quarter of the year. I will see wonders in my final quarter. And then in 2022, divine possession. We're taking hold of what God said is ours. Things we've never held, we will hold them in our hands. Things we've never seen happen, we will see it happen. Things we've never accomplished, we will accomplish in Jesus' name. It's a year of divine possession for us. And so the Lord said, uh, I'll do such a work in your day that you wouldn't even believe it if somebody told you it was going to happen. But then let me, let me give you another one here. Psalm 77. Psalm 77. I'll read you about four verses here. Verses 11 through 14. And uh, the Bible says, I will remember the deeds of the Lord. This is Psalm 77, verse 11 through 14. I will remember the deeds of the Lord. Yes, I will remember your wonders of old. (laughs) Hallelujah. Your wonders of old. I will ponder all your work and meditate on your mighty deeds. Your way, O God, is holy. What God is great like our God? The answer there is none. Verse 14, you are the God who works wonders. You have made known your might among the peoples. And and if I were to keep on reading, in fact, I will. Let me just read all the way to the end of the Psalm. Verse 15, you with your arm redeemed your people, the children of Jacob and Joseph, Selah. Now go to verse 16. When the waters saw you, O God. So now he's starting to describe the wonders that God did. Now I'm in Psalm 77, 16 through the end of the chapter. Listen to these five verses. He's now describing those wonders so that they would remember the wonders God did. Look at this. When the waters saw you, O God. When the waters saw you, they were afraid. Indeed, the deep trembled and the clouds poured out water. And the skies gave forth thunder, and your arrows flashed on every side. The crash of your thunder was in the whirlwind. Your lightnings lighted up the world. The earth trembled and shook. Look at the last two verses. Your way was through the sea, your path through the great waters, and your footprints were unseen. You led your people like a flock by the hand of Moses and Aaron. Do you see what he's describing there? The psalmist is describing the wonders of the exodus from Egypt and the Red Sea crossing. He's saying, you're a God that is so great, that works such great wonders. I'll ponder them. I will will ponder them and continue to meditate on the fact you brought us out of hundreds of years of slavery in Egypt, let us out supernaturally. We get to the Red Sea and you open it up so that we can walk across on dry ground and you leave it open 
until Pharaoh and all of his soldiers come into the bed of the sea and then you let the waters crash down upon them and destroy all of our enemies in one moment. Wonders, things that are so supernatural. God went on to be a pillar of fire by night and a pillar of cloud by day to lead them. He made water come out of a rock. I mean, he blew in when they said they wanted meat. He blew his breath from heaven and blew quail in from every direction, the Bible says, to feed probably between two and three million people in the desert. That's a lot of quail. That's a lot of quail. There ain't no Chick-fil-A that's making that happen. You think about it, two to three million people (laughs) and God did it. It's a wonder. It's a wonder. And that's the God that we serve, the God that stills performing wonders today. He's still doing the supernatural today. You're not disconnected from that God. You're connected to him. You have an even deeper connection to him than those people did in the Old Testament because we have direct connection to God through Jesus Christ. Think about it. Direct connection to God. You know, we became the body of Christ. That's never been done before. I mean, that was a that was really a, an unprecedented move by God to not just say, well, I'm bringing you into the family, to say, no, I'm not just bringing you into the family. I am making you Jesus's body. I mean, like, that's next level, man. And we have a connection with the almighty God who does wonders. He does wonders. Well, what, what does it take? This is the part I want to get to at the end, towards the end here. What does it take for us to see these wonders happen and take place in our lives? We've got to, you know what the Bible says? We, we have not because we ask not. We have not because we ask not. If, if my children, you know, were, were with me and uh, they really, you know, wanted a drink or they, you know, can you imagine my daughter just sitting on the couch dejected, sad, and depressed. And I said to her, after seeing that she's downcast like that, can you imagine me saying to one of my daughters, why are you so sad, baby? What's wrong? What's going on? And she begins to cry and says to me, do you know for the last five hours, I've been so thirsty and I just, I didn't have a drink and I've been sitting here and there's no, you didn't, you never got me a drink. Well, if all you had to do was ask me, If you would have just asked me, I would have been happy to get you a drink. You see what I mean? If I'd have known, if I'd have heard it come out of your mouth, I would have gotten you a drink. The Bible says we don't have because we don't ask. We don't have because we don't ask. And so there's a power in asking by faith. There's a power in asking. So I want you to jump over with me to the gospel of John chapter 15. The gospel of John chapter 15. You know, when I was in Bible school, uh, this was the last years that brother Kenneth Hagin senior was alive before, uh, he passed away were the last two years I was at his school. And, uh, because he was still alive and ministering, he was still teaching classes also. And I had brother Hagin for four different classes and I had him for the gifts of the spirit. I had him for uh, yeah, pneumatology too. I had him for prayer. It was one of the classes that I had him. And in the prayer course, I found this to be very interesting. 
in the prayer course, which we had for an entire semester with him, he would come in every single day, every day to teach that class. And he'd say, all right, everybody, open up your Bibles to John chapter 15. And he taught prayer every single day of the semester from one verse of scripture. That was his text for an entire semester at school. And it was this verse that I'm getting ready to read to you now, the gospel of John chapter 15. And I'm going to start reading with verse number seven. So if you have that open, follow it with me. But by the way, this is Jesus speaking. And Jesus said, if you abide in me and my words abide in you, ask whatever you wish and it will be done for you. Look at verse eight. By this, now stop right there, hold on. By this, what's he referring to? By what? By the fact that it will be done for you. By the fact that when you ask whatever you wish, it'll be done for you. By this, so when he says by this, that's what he's referring to. He's referring to the fact that when your prayers get answered, by this, my father is glorified. So God gets glory when your prayers get answered. Keep going. That you bear much fruit and so prove to be my disciples. That you bear much fruit. So what's he saying? One of the main ways to bear fruit, according to this whole passage, Jesus being the true vine, is staying connected to Christ He said, if you abide in me, what's the second part? And my words abide in you. So you have a responsibility to abide in Christ and you have a responsibility for his word to abide in you, in your heart. As David said, I've hidden your word in my heart that I might not sin against God. So two things, I'm staying in Christ through what? A life of righteousness, life of holiness. I'm staying in Christ. And then number two, I'm keeping his word in me. And when I do that, he said, then ask whatever you wish. So let's look at this now, because a prerequisite for answered prayer is that we're abiding in Christ and that his words are abiding in us. Well, why is that the case? Well, I've taught many times before. We've even done a Miracle Word University class on the subject of answered prayer, But one of the things we know is that God only honors his word. He honors his word. He's only bound to his word. Do you know he's not bound to feelings, emotions, or opinions? God doesn't have to do anything because of people's opinions. God doesn't have to do anything because of people's emotions. God doesn't even have to do anything because of people's needs. He's not moved by people's needs, emotions, or opinions. He's moved by our faith in what he's already said, his word. That's why Jesus is making this point here that if we'll abide in him and his words will abide in us, then at that point, you can ask whatever you will. But you don't, see, one of the reasons we don't ask whatever we will if those two things aren't the case is because at that moment, Remember what a life in Christ does. Remember what filling yourself with the word does. 
it changes you, right? It doesn't change God. He's the God of wonders. He's the God that does the supernatural, but he's not changed. He's not, he said, I'm the Lord, your God. I do not change. Jesus Christ is the same yesterday, today, and forever. They will never change. It's us. We're the ones who change. So the reason that those two things are uh, prerequisites for asking is because when I live for Jesus, when I submit my life to him, when I live in such a way that's pleasing to him, I cut down the flesh, I kill the flesh, say, I don't, you know what? The flesh is dying daily. Like Paul said, I crucify my flesh on a daily basis. It's not going to run my life. My spirit man's going to run my life. By doing that, making holy decisions, lifestyle decisions, and, and staying in that place of righteousness, who changes? I change. God doesn't change. I'm changing now. So now what am I doing? I am synchronizing my spirit, my heart with the heart of God. So don't you think, I mean, get this in your heart. Don't you think that when you do that, the things you ask for are going to change? Absolutely they will. When I start synchronizing my heart with God's heart, when I start making my life look like Jesus, then the things that are in my heart are going to change. And the things that I will ask for will change because I'm not the same old person I used to be. And so the things I used to want, I don't want those things anymore. The things I used to desire, I don't desire those things anymore. And so people think, well, this is just a blank check for prayer. Not if you understand it. Because what you start to see is that those prerequisites now will guide your heart in making requests to God. Because you're not going to have the same carnal desires when you go to pray as you would if you didn't abide in him and let his word abide in you. When you fill yourself with the word of God, guess what's going to happen? Your faith is going to go to another level, number one. But see, not only that, your understanding of the desire of God is going to go to another level, which means now not only is my heart submitted to him, but my mind has been renewed by the word of God. My faith is going to it. Let me, let me say this. I bet you money that there are people who, if they had not filled themselves with the word of God, they would not have even had the faith to ask for some of the things God wants them to ask for. Because they're like, man, that's that's a big thing. That's a big deal. I don't know if I can ask that kind of, that kind of thing from God. I mean, raise your hands in the comments if you know what I'm talking about. Like you think to yourself, man, that's that's a big request. I don't know. I don't even know if God likes me enough to do, to do that kind of a thing. There's people that think like that. My cousin met a lady uh, that said, you know what? I would come to. He said, come to church. I'm preaching tonight. She said, man, I, I don't know. I haven't been to church in years. She, and she told him later, she said, I was positive that if I walked in that church, God was going to strike me down dead the moment I walked into a church. That's how my life's been going. He said, God's not going to strike you down dead. What's up, Hope? God's not going to strike you down dead. It's not the kind of God he is. But see, this is where people's mindset is. So, so, so watch what I'm talking about. It affected her actions. She wouldn't go to church because of what she believed about God. God is mad at me. God is ready to strike me. God is ready to, and that's what her mindset was. So because of that, it affected her action. I won't even go to church because that's what's going to happen. But when you fill yourself with this, 
then your mind changes because you start to understand what is true instead of what the enemy tells you is true. And then your actions change. So watch, not only does your faith grow, but your actions change. So now when I go to ask, you know, you ever wonder, because I'm sure people have wondered this. You come across Hebrews 4.16, boldly approach the throne of grace. And you're like, seriously, I don't feel like I could boldly approach the throne. I go, I go in front of the throne with shame and guilt. I go in front of the throne with, uh, you know, intimidation. I go in front of the throne with insecurity. That's not how you're to approach God. We're to approach the throne boldly that we may find grace to help in the time of need. And so God wants us to be bold when we approach his throne. But how can we do that? By filling ourselves with his word and knowing who we are and knowing who he is, you see. And so when we see what Jesus is teaching, if you abide in me, and my words abide in you. Those two things are huge because they don't change God. They change who you are. And what do you think is going to happen? My requests are going to change. My requests are going to change. I'm going to synchronize with God's desire, with God's will. Think about, Bonnie, that's um, John 15, 7, and 8. Think about this. Think about Jesus, right? Jesus even had to deal with this. His flesh didn't even want to do the stuff he was called to do. I mean, like he's Jesus and he's up in the garden and he's praying and he said, Lord, if there's any other way, let this cup pass from me. He didn't want to be crucified. Nobody does. His flesh was calling out, oh God, if there's any other way. Let this cup pass from me. Then he says this by his spirit. But if not, let your will be done. So Jesus is saying, my spirit's willing to do what it should do. But notice that he was perfect in the spirit. No sin in his life. No guile found in his mouth. Jesus was perfectly synchronized with the heart of God. And so what happened? He was able to do what he was called to do, even in prayer, because prayer changes you. Same thing here. Prayer changes us. So I want you to go over one more chapter. Go to John 16. I'm going to show you another passage here. John chapter 16. And I want to read to you uh, verses 23 and 24 of John 16. Still talking about prayer here because see, prayer is going to take us to the next level. Prayer is going to take us to the next level. Catch this now. We're going to see signs and wonders and miracles. The wonders are going to be ours. I'm going to see God do things that are so, and we already have, but so supernatural that it's a wonder. Can I tell you a wonder that took place this year? We had, (laughs) this is so funny to me. My wife and I were just, you know, taxes were, were coming due. And so we were going over the, our giving amounts to submit to the accountant. And um, we looked at 2019, which was the best year that we'd ever had. Every year has been the best year we've ever had. But 2019, no different. It was the best year we'd ever had. And we looked at how much we'd given into the kingdom total. And we're like, man, that's, that's, that's a significant amount of money. 
you know, hashtag kingdom slice. That's a, that's a significant amount of money to give away. And, um, but then, you know, the lockdown hit in 2020, COVID hit in 2020, all these different things took place and people were writing me and, oh, you're an evangelist. You must going to have a hard year this year. Can't hardly, you know, have church and travel and all this. It was the, one of the busiest years we've ever had ever, ever. We acquired more than we had ever. We've done more for the Lord than we had ever. So we started to look over 2020. Uh, all we could do at the end of the year was just start laughing because we looked at the taxes and we looked at the number on the paper. How much money did we give in 2020? <laughs> and we gave double what we gave in 2019. Double. I'm thinking to myself, this is a wonder. <laughs> this is a wonder because here's a year when everybody says you got to struggle. Here's a year when it's not going to work out right and this we're in crisis mode and all that. And we gave double what we did the year before, which was our best year ever. Well, we moved into 2021 and what was our word? Does anybody remember our word for 2021? We're going to run in 2021. That was our word. We're going to run in 2021. So when my wife came to me in the month of May, when it ended, we were getting ready to move into June, hadn't even gone through half the year of this year yet. And she came to me and said, let me give you the testimony. She said, it's been five months and we've already given more to God in these five months than we did all of last year, all of 2020. And we had doubled 2019. I, all I could do was sit back and think, what in the world? God is doing wonders. God is doing wonders. The Bible said he would give seed to the sower. One of the things I know, I know is true, that if God sees your heart and knows that you're a sower, he puts seed in your hand. That's what the Bible teaches. He gives seed to the sower. And I sat back and watched back in May and thought to myself, that's a wonder. That's a wonder. In the month of April, we sowed the largest seed in the history of our life. Largest by far. And it's just been one thing after another. But that's just the beginning. I mean, you heard Carolyn tell the story about how she had been saying out of her mouth and confessing, you know, she wanted cattle. And then all of a sudden we're in Montana. And then, you know, the family shows up from Guilford and they felt in their spirit to sow that seed and to give uh, a cow, gave us a cow. She sent me a picture of it this week. It's beautiful. I got a cow sitting up in Montana. And when that cow starts having babies, I'll have more cows. Hallelujah. Got to put the miracle word brand on those cows. Um, but I, I'm just telling you, it's just like, you know, desire of your heart. Well, if God knows you're a sower, then the harvest comes to the sower. The one that's been doing. It's funny because if you seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness, all these other things will be added to you. All the things other people are dying to get. You know, everybody that likes to spiritualize that passage, go back and read it again. Jesus isn't talking about spiritual things. He's talking about what you'll wear, what you'll eat, where you'll sleep, where you'll live. He's talking about natural things that everybody always worries themselves over. But he said, if you'll just seek the kingdom first and his righteousness, all these other things will just be added unto you. I'm talking about wonders, supernatural wonders. That's what we're believing for. That's what I'm believing for your life. Wonders, stuff that nobody will be able to explain. <laughs> I like that because it's like, I like to just see people like this when God blesses you. 
just that face like like you can see they're trying to work it out in their mind like how did that how did that happen and there's people that get mad about it they should just have that drop jaw look when they look at your family when they look at your business when they look at your ministry whatever it might be they should be able to just like looking at other people around and like how in the world is this even possible why because god doesn't want to do anything small he wants to do big things god wants to do big things but how do we get it how do we access his power we ask him we pray we pray we confess we believe we take action we're not sitting idly by and hoping that these things come to pass we are taking faith action to believe God that things are going to come to pass. All right, so we're here in John 16 now, one chapter over, and Jesus is still speaking, and I want you to see it. Uh, Verse 23, and of course, uh, Jesus knows that he's going to leave the earth, and uh, he's giving them further instruction for what's going to happen in their lives and how they'll deal with God when he's gone. Look at this, verse 23. He said, in that day, Now, that's the day we're living in, but it wasn't yet for them. That's why he's pointing to the future. In that day, you will ask nothing of me. Truly, truly, I say to you, whatever you ask of the Father in my name, he will give it to you. Until now, you've asked nothing in my name. But look at this. Ask, and you will receive that your joy may be full. So one of the side effects of answered prayer is that you have fullness of joy. One of, I, I, you know, the, when I was writing the very first book I ever wrote, Praise, Laugh, Repeat, the Lord showed me that. He said, one of the ways that I give my children access into joy is by answering their prayers. That if my people would pray, I'd answer their prayers. And when I answer their prayers, it brings fullness of joy. That's what Jesus is saying. Ask and you shall receive that your joy may be full. So as you begin to have prayers answered, a new joy is coming upon you. A new joy is coming on you. Uh, That's what I'm believing for. We're not going in with a spirit of heaviness into a new year. We're not closing this year out with anxiety and depression and heaviness. That's not how we're ending the year. We're ending it in supernatural, overwhelming joy in the Holy Ghost. I am going to laugh from now until the end of this year, and I transition into a new year with divine possession. I'm going to go through with a spirit of victory. I'm going through with total peace. And so are you. We're going through with total peace, total joy. Every attack of the devil that tried to come against you, that tried to harass your family, it is breaking off in the mighty name of Jesus Christ. It is breaking off of you. Chains are falling, prison doors opening, and the Lord is going to touch us in a way. Hear this that those that are looking on will have to stop in their tracks and inspect what God's doing for us. Stop and inspect what God is doing for us. It's a wonder. Hallelujah. It is a wonder. It is a wonder. Let me give you one more uh, passage to just mull over in your spirit. 
Go with me to the book of James. And um, let's look at this together. In the book of James, he starts to teach the church about praying. About prayer. And um, let me uh, let me just kind of read to you a few verses. It's James chapter 5. And uh, I want to break this down. Let's start with verse 13. James 5. Verse 13, he's talking to the church. Is anyone among you suffering? Let him pray. Now, hold on. Why would we pray about it if we're suffering, if the Lord is the one who's causing our suffering? I never understood that because there's preachers and Christians that'll teach you, well, Lord, you know, suffering, the Lord wants you to suffer. He'll take you through suffering. Well, if he is taking us through suffering, then what's the point of praying about it? He's the one, if it's his sovereign decree, he'll have the suffering stop when he's done with it. When he's finally got to the place where he can teach us our lesson, he'll just stop the suffering. So that's not, that shows you, you don't pray against what God's doing. Anybody with a brain knows you don't pray against what God's doing. If God's doing it, you pray for it, not against it. And so he says, is anyone among you suffering? Let him pray. Is anyone cheerful? Let him sing praise. Is anyone sick? Again, let him call for the elders of the church and let them pray over him. Well, if God's the one making people sick, as some teach, why would we have elders from the church pray for them if God put it on those people? Shouldn't we just thank God that we're learning something through his you know, divine providence? Why would we have the elders pray for us if God did it? See, that shows you these people, the logic that these people have is not even on the money. Notice, let them pray over him, anointing him with oil in the name of the Lord, and the prayer of faith will save the one who is sick. Who we, so what, what are we saving him from? We're saving him from God's plan? God had a plan for you, but I just saved you from it by praying for you. Well, that sounds like God is pretty evil. Is he doing evil things to us that we need to be saved from? No. The prayer of faith will save the sick and the Lord will raise him up. Who did? The Lord. The Lord, what is the Lord, working against himself? I had put that sickness on you, but now that they've prayed, I'm going to raise you. No, he's single-minded, not double-minded. Okay? And if he's committed sins, he'll be forgiven. Verse uh, 16, therefore confess your sins one to another and pray for one another that you may be healed. Now look at this. The prayer of a righteous person has great power as it is working. Glory to God. The prayer of a righteous person has great power as it is working. Hallelujah. You may have grown up hearing this in the King James, the prayers of a righteous man availeth much. The prayer of a righteous person has great power as it's working. So one of the things we got to understand is God set up this system of prayer and he wants you to engage in it. He said, if if you abide in me and my words abide in you, ask whatever you will, it shall be done for you. By this, my father is glorified that you produce much fruit. And then he says, 
ask the father in my name and he will give it to you. Ask and receive that your joy may be full. So notice this, Jesus is teaching here that if we want to get in on what God is doing, if we want to get in on the blessings God has, they don't fall randomly on Christians in the pew. They come because people are pursuing them. They come because people are making it a priority to seek the face of God and to do what the Lord wants them to do, which is to seek his face. He said, if my people who are called by my name will humble themselves and pray, then I will hear from heaven and I'll do what? I will heal their land. So what is that? He's not going to automatically do it. He's going to do it because his people that are called by his name humbled themselves and prayed. He would hear their prayers in heaven. And what is he going to do? According to that passage of scripture, it's Old Testament. He will react to those prayers and he will bring healing to their land. The prayer of a righteous man avails much. It has much power in its working. I've said this, and I want you to put it in the comments before we pray. I've said this now for years. The Lord showed it to me this way because it's easy to remember. The devil's greatest act of violence is tricking you into silence. The devil's greatest act of violence is tricking you into silence. No question about that. He wants you to shut up. He wants you to keep quiet. He doesn't want you to pray. He doesn't want you to worship. He doesn't want you to praise. He doesn't want you to confess by faith. The devil wants to shut you up. His greatest act of violence is tricking you into silence. The reason I say that is because he's already defeated. The devil's defeated. He doesn't have authority over you. He doesn't have power over you. So so you see that? What he has to do instead is he has to lie to you to trick you into being quiet because he knows he's defeated and he knows that there's power in your confession, there's power in your prayer, there's power in your praise, there's power in your worship. So what's he going to trick you into doing? Staying silent. He wants to fight against a quiet church. He wants quiet Christians. That's his greatest act of violence because there's nothing else he can do to God's people except lie to them. That's all he can do. Lie to him. Lie to him. And I don't believe his lies. That's why anytime a negative report comes to me, I laugh about it. <laughs> I'm going to laugh like I'm taking over the world. <laughs> do like an ego maniacal laugh. He's defeated. He doesn't have authority to take you out. He's under your feet. He's under your feet. And so I want to encourage you. We're going to see these wonders take place. But you know what it's going to take? Prayer. It's going to be take times of prayer and sometimes of fasting and prayer. As we're believing to see God move, it's not going to happen randomly. Don't think I'm getting on this broadcast and telling people, I want you to get ready. I don't care what you're doing or what you're eating. No, 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 no. I'm not preaching that random stuff. I'm saying very specifically, God is looking for people that are seeking after him. Watch this now. The Bible says, without faith, it's impossible to please God. And they that come to God must believe, number one, that he exists, 
And number two, that he's a rewarder of who? Those that diligently seek him. Those that diligently seek him. And so I'm praying for you today. I'm believing today for you. Wonders are going to be your story. Wonders. In fact, write it. Wonders are going to be my story. Put it in the comments. Wonders are going to be my story in the mighty name of Jesus. Wonders are going to be my story. And I want to pray because we're believing God for miracles to take place. Wonders in this final quarter of the year. You know how quickly God can work in your life? Fast, very fast. And so I want you to set your faith that you're going to have the best end to a year that you've ever had, that you've ever had. I know the enemy's trying stuff. I know the enemy's trying to come against the church, trying to come against your family. He's defeated. It's time to stand and declare. We're not going to play church, not going to play Christianity. We're going at it. This is something to keep in your spirit before we pray. It's an important time in history because one of the prophecies that will come to pass in the last days is that there will be people who will depart from the faith. Their hearts will grow cold and they will depart from the faith. That will not be us in Jesus' name. That will not be us in Jesus' name. We will be the on fire ones. The victory tribe are on fire. We are the ones that stay hot. We are the ones that God can use in these final moments of time. I am not backing off. I am not growing cold. I am not losing steam. I am ramping up before Jesus comes. I'm ramping up. So I want to pray for those that are watching. Wonders will be your story. That's right. Wonders will be my story. You can write it in. Father, I pray for every person that's watching today, all those listening on the podcast, we declare it. Wonders will be our story in Jesus' name. And Lord, we're going to pray like we've never prayed. We're going to fast like we've never fasted. We're going to seek your face like we never have because we will not stand idly by while the enemy's attacking in this final generation of time and say nothing and do nothing. But we will fight the good fight of faith and lay hold on eternal life. Because as your word declares, the weapons of our warfare are not carnal, but they are mighty to the pulling down of strongholds. And so, Lord, we declare it. Strongholds are coming down in our families. Strongholds are coming down in our communities. Strongholds are coming down in our schools with our children. Strongholds are coming down in our marriages, families. And we declare it. Freedom will be our story. Victory will be our story. We ask you, Lord, to open up the windows of heaven over America and the nations of those watching that they live in. And I pray you begin to pour out wonders, pour out wonders. You're the God that can do things that are so great that even if people told us ahead of time, it would be almost too hard to believe because it's so big. It's so supernatural and you'll get all the glory. We will give you all the praise for what's happening. We will give you all the honor for what's happening in the mighty name of Jesus. We thank you and we give you praise. And if you believe it, somebody throw some fire in the comments section. Somebody throw some hands up, emoji hands, whatever you got to do, but give God some praise. Give God praise. Again, I am here in Fitchburg, Massachusetts all week with my father, my mother, uh, 7 o'clock p.m. every single night, Crossroads Community Church, and we're here on Sunday. Before we go, I'm going to give you an opportunity to sow seed by faith today. There's people you need to get seed in the ground. As we're coming up on this final quarter, 
You can't have harvests if there are no seeds. That's why I was giving you those testimonies about giving, because I want you to hear this. If we're going to have those kinds of wonders in our harvests, it's going to take that kind of a seed that we put in the ground and we've got to put it in the ground. He gives seed to the sower, but then he engages us by placing us in his system of seed time and harvest. That means that we've got to obey it. There's people watching. I'm praying that God will connect you with this ministry as a partner. Those that are truly not only praying for us, but sowing every month, $85 or more. There's people that are sowing far more than that, 500 a month, 750 a month. There's people that are sowing 250 a month. Do what you can do where you're at currently and watch what God will do to bless you. Watch what God will do to bless you. If you'd like to partner with this ministry, you can go to miracleword.com and you can click on the partner page and there you can see all we're doing in the ministry, but also you can fill out the form to let us know. I'm standing with you and Carolyn and the team as we touch this final generation with the gospel of Jesus Christ. Maybe you feel in your spirit to sow a one-time seed today. You can do that as well. Click on the give page. All the ways to give are there. You can use your credit card. There's Cash App. There's PayPal, Venmo. There's Zelle, cryptocurrency. There's so many ways you can sow. And um, if you want to sow a, a cow, a horse, some property, whatever you want to do. And uh, a cowboy hat some boots, whatever you want to sell, spurs, and we'll take it all. But we want you to know we love you. This month, the month of October, we're sending you, uh, those of you that request it, a powerful book by E.W. Kenyon called Jesus the Healer. This is a powerful book. Here's a man who had amazing revelation on the word of God. He affected other men of God that were powerful, like Brother Hagin and others, many others. And uh, this will build your faith. I'll tell you, this is a time when we need to have a revelation of healing and a revelation of divine health like we never have. It's a very appropriate book for the time. If you want to receive it, remember, it's not going to automatically come to your house. If you've sown a seed, you got to claim your offer. Go to miracleword.com forward slash offer and let us know that you want us to send it to you. And we will. We will send it to you. Love you, Faith. Janine. Good to see you. Lenann, love you guys. Don't forget, the Miracle Word hoodies are in the store. Victory Tribe hoodies are available. We got a nice gold color. I don't have one of those on, but it's in the car. Got a nice gold color. Got the white color. It's like a yellow for the fall. Beautiful. And we've got the Victory Tribe logo on the front and on the back. We've got the uh, the lion with the crown that says Victory Tribe. It's very cool. I hand sketched it on my iPad. And uh, it's got like a charcoal-looking effect. It came out really nice. I'm happy about it. But we got some other stuff getting ready to drop, too. Get these while they last. They're in the store. Got some other cool announcements coming for you. Maybe by the end of this week, something I'm very, very excited about that I cannot wait to tell you, tell you about. Again, tonight, live, 7 o'clock p.m., right here. All channels, all platforms, and live in person at Crossroads Community Church. 839 Ashby State Road, Fitchburg, Massachusetts. You don't want to miss it. Get here for revival. It's going to be great. I love you guys. Thanks for hanging with me today. I pray your faith's on another level. Wonders are coming to us in Jesus' name. I love you. I'll see you again very soon. Later. Now that's the stuff leaders should be made of.